Hello, gamblers and bettors. Welcome to episode 11 of the House Always Wins podcast. Here with you on this fine Christmas Eve, maybe Christmas Day if you're listening to it, whenever you listen to it, it's your boy, Ryan Lee, a.k.a. Santa Claus, giving out presents down the chimney to the little kids, taking those cookies and milk, giving away pics to the podcast listeners, just doing my thing, you know. Um, we're actually here in Vegas, Planet Hollywood Hotel. So we're in the sports gambling capital of the world, no doubt. Um, so what better time than to do a pod? So what we're going to go over today is going to be the three bowl games on Wednesday, the day after Christmas. I have a lock of the day. Lock of bowl season, I think. I feel that adamant about that pick. I am in love with that pick. Uh, we're coming off a pretty strong week. Uh, 4-0 against, against the spread on the last podcast. 9-0 last week against the spread in the bowl games. Um, so it's safe to say that we had a successful week. And we're going to try to keep that momentum going, you know? Coming into this new week. It's new waves, but we want to give the podcast listeners something to bet on and something to cash in with for sure. So uh, I'm for sure going to do my best going over all the spots and then the weaknesses and advantages of each game and each team. Um, but first, quick shout out, Sam Smith. Props to him. Two fantasy championship wins this weekend. Um, hard to do for sure, no doubt. Um, but the man needs some praise. Kevin Burke, a goose egg. Um <sighs> Don't really know what to say about that other than he needs to draft better. He needs to maybe be more proactive on free agents. I don't know. Um, But Kevin Burke, a goose egg, is unacceptable. But anyways, let's dive right into the bowl games. Wednesday, 10.30 Pacific Standard Time. First one of the day. The Surf Pro First Responder Bowl. They're playing at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. It's Boise State, Boston College. Boise, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-under set at 56. Um, I like Boise in this one. I don't love the pick. It's not a lock for me, but I do like Boise enough. I would definitely advise a play on Boise uh, for a few reasons. You know, Boise, I think they really want to show out as a Mountain West team and prove that they can beat a Power 5 team. Um, They had an opportunity earlier this season. They played Oklahoma State, and they just laid an egg, man. They were flat. They got blown out for whatever reason. They just didn't show show out, and they did did not come to play that game. So expect a little bounce back from that and just some extra motivation to play a Power 5 team and beat a Power 5 team. Also, on the other hand, we got the Golden Eagles from Boston College. They started 7-2, but they finished 7-5. How motivated will they be um, to play a bowl after three straight losses? I really don't know. I feel like the team already mailed it, mailed the season, and honestly, uh, I'm not really sure 
but that's just based on the tape and based on their trends, yards per game, offensively and defense. They're just trending downwards ever since uh, starting 7-2, and two. so that's dangerous. And I think the team probably had bigger aspirations than this particular bowl game, and they might be a little disappointed playing in the first responder bowl uh, the day after Christmas. So they might not be too amped about that. Boston College sophomore running back A.J. Dillon, AJ Dillon um, is a beast, no doubt. But the running back to know in this game, I think, is Alex Madison on Boise State. Um, 1,400 yards gained on the ground. He can catch passes out of the backfield, too. I think he's going to be a key factor to this game. And if he can run on that Boston College front seven, I think Boise takes control of the game for sure. Um, also, I think Boise has the advantage at quarterback Brett Rippon. I think he's a stud. 30 touchdowns, 7 interceptions this year. Anthony Brown, Boston College's quarterback, on the other hand, um, very dicey, very turnover prone. Four interceptions in the last two games. I think he's just a little inexperienced and a little unreliable overall. Um, I'll definitely give the nod to Rippon right there. And the biggest advantage that Boise has is their third down conversion rate. They are third in the nation con converting third downs at 53%, um, which is almost unheard of. They're behind, I believe, Alabama and Army, if I'm not mistaken. So Boise State's three in third down conversion rate. On the other hand, Boston College, 109th in the FBS, converting only 33% of third downs. That's a 20% disparity. Um, I think a similar disparity last Last pod I talked about was Houston and Army, where Army had a 20 percentage point disparity in the third down percentage range. Um, and I think that was a significant advantage in there. And then Army won by around 50 points. That was our lock of the week, actually, last week. So glad that cashed. Glad that we didn't have to sweat it at all. And I like, Boston, or I like Boise State in this one. Um, Brian Harson, the Boise head coach, 4-1 against the spread in bowl games. Um, the Eagles are 2-7 and seven in their last nine bowl games. So success in bowl games have been pretty contrary um, to both teams. So I'll give the edge to Boise State minus 2.5 in the first responder bowl. Um, next, we got the quick lane bowl, Ford Field, Detroit. And folks, this is the lock of the day, the lock of the week. And I think my favorite play all of bowl season, honestly, Yellow Jackets minus six. I love the play. I absolutely love the play um, for a plethora of reasons, too. First off, Golden Gophers have never seen the option. The Minnesota scout team won't be able to run the option to help the defense prepare, um, which really hurts when you don't see the when you've never seen the option. Um, it's just something else, you know. It's something else to prepare for, and it's something else in-game that you have to adjust for. And Georgia Tech's quarterback, Taquan Marshall, can throw it a little bit too. So this is not one of your total triple-option ground-and-pound teams. Sure, most of the time they will be running it, but Taquan Marshall can take the lid off of the defense as well and keep them honest. So that just gives them another element to succeed offensively. Um, the Golden Gopher defense, very porous so far this season, especially on the ground. 
allowing, allowing 5.22 yards per carry, one of the worst in the Big Ten, um, while Georgia Tech averages 35 yards, 35, 335, sorry, 335 rushing yards per game, which is good for first in the FBS. Um, I think the Yellow Jackets' speed will be a major advantage and not only magnified because of the turf. Um, the turf is, it just magnifies the speed. Uh, so I think Georgia Tech has the advantage right there. And Georgia Tech started 1-3, and three, and then they won six of their last eight games, beating bowl teams in Virginia, Virginia Tech, Miami. I think Georgia Tech's a more battle-tested team than Minnesota. Um, in addition, there's extra motivation, I think, for the Yellow Jackets because they got snubbed um, for the four main ACC Bowls, um, which are the Belk Bowl, Gator Bowl, Pinstripe Bowl, and Sun Bowl. Other ACC teams got in those over a 7-5 Georgia Tech team. Um, Taquan Marshall, actually, with the media, said that he, as well as the team as a whole, just had a huge chip on their shoulder and wanted to prove that they did belong in one of those higher bowls. So I, I don't think this is a case of five, a Power 5 team being disappointed to play in the Quick Lane Bowl. I think they're here to take care of business, no doubt. Um, additionally, this is the last game for head coach Paul Johnson, the 60-something-year-old triple option coach. This is a case of win one for the skipper, I think. Georgia Tech loves this guy. He's meant a lot to the school overall and a lot to the football program and there's no better way to send them out than with a bowl win uh, another point i think that makes this play even stronger and makes this my lock of bowl season is minnesota just a bunch of distractions with them they're not as motivated as georgia tech for sure um, first off two of their best players will not be playing they will be foregoing this game to enter the draft and get prepared for the draft. One, linebacker Blake Cashman, most important player on that defense, sitting out the bowl game for the draft. He's a captain, over 100 tackles this season. He's just a do-it-all defensive player. Additionally, left tackle Donnell Green is also sitting out this bowl game for the draft. Stud, a complete stud. One of the best left tackles in the nation, no doubt. Who's going to protect Tanner Morgan's blindside? That's my big question. Fresh, redshirt freshman quarterback, um, still a little inexperienced. And if the replacement left tackle can't pass protect, we might be seeing an ugly game for Tanner Morgan. Uh, who knows? And Georgia Tech does have a defense that can create turnovers. They create, create havoc in the backfield. They have a good pass rush. And I think Minnesota will have its hands full as well. Uh, definitely. Um, also, six unnamed players are suspended for this game. We're not sure who they are, but P.J. Fleck notified the media that for some reason six of these guys have been suspended. So all of these things, just like they really wear down a team mentally, in my opinion. And I think Georgia Tech has a huge advantage. Paul Johnson, 5-1 and one against the spread in the last six bowl games for Georgia Tech. I think the Yellow Jackets are just a more disciplined team overall in this game. Minnesota's a little too inexperienced. P.J. Fleck a little too inexperienced as well. Uh, give me Georgia Tech 
minus the six. This is my favorite play of the day. My favorite play of bowl season. Uh, lastly, we got the last bowl of the day. The Cheez-Its Bowl played in Chase Field Baseball Stadium, actually, in Phoenix. And we have a line of Cal minus one with the over-under set at a very, very low 39 points. Um, I really like the TCU plus one on this side. Um, basically, TCU money line as well. I kind of like the under 39, but I'm going to give out the TCU money line pick to you guys um, for a bunch of reasons. TCU head coach Gary Patterson, 6-0 against Pac-12 opponents in his career. 10-6 in bowl games all time also. Um, so he's very dangerous with extra time to prepare. He's a guy that puts a lot of wrinkles into the offensive playbook for sure. Some trick plays that deceives the defense. He's just a really savvy coach. And he's been there, done that in the bowl game. So I expect nothing less from him this time. Justin Wilcox, on the other hand, Cal's head coach. First ever bowl game. Does he really know how to get his players motivated for this game? I don't really know. Um, so I'll give the coaching advantage to TCU for sure. In addition, TCU 4-6 and six after their first 10 games. And they could have easily quit. Their, their season was going nowhere. Um, one of the most disappointing seasons in TCU... Uh, in recent memory, I'd say, and for them to win their last two games against Baylor and Oklahoma State, show that grit, show that moxie, show that fight at the end of the season to get into this bowl game, I think is huge. I think it's telling of how they're going to show up in this bowl game, and I think they'll be motivated, way more motivated than a Cal side to play in this game. Uh, third point, I think, third-string quarterback, is uh, Grayson Mulestein for TCU, and he will be starting this game. It's a little worrisome. Um, TCU's first two quarterbacks have been injured or are injured for this game, so uh, Mulestein will have to pick up the slack. But he's had some success in small sample size. 65% completion percentage, 328 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, so I think he's definitely capable to at least be a game manager type and keep the offense afloat um, without making too many mistakes. Look for wide receiver Jalen Rager to make a few splashes down the field. He's a complete stud, no doubt. Um, saw him in person at the TCU-SMU game this, this past year. He's a big body, um, just a soft, well, sophomore, I believe, a redshirt sophomore, so he's a year or two left at least in the college ranks, but I would I would not be surprised if he goes and plays Sundays in the future. Uh, he's just that that good of a receiver in my opinion. Cal offensively is challenged, especially vertically. Uh, on the ground they can they can move the ball a little bit, but they are vertically challenged, no doubt. Chase Garbers, their quarterback, is suspect. Uh, only have, he's only thrown over 200 yards twice all season, and uh, recently the Cal offense has been trending trending down even more. They scored under 16 points in four of the last five games, which is just outrageously bad. It's laughable, and I think a big part to do with that is Cal's left tackle. Patrick McCarry out with a leg injury a few weeks ago. Um, season ender. So 
that's really hurt the Cal offense even more. It's made them even worse, and it's made them it's made it harder for them to move the football. So that's a big factor in this game, I believe. I think O-line health is just one of the biggest handicaps for sure, and it's one that goes pretty unnoticed. I think the offensive line just affects the game in so many ways, though, um, whether it's protecting the quarterback, getting enough push for the run, or just even false starts and experience. You see that a lot more so in college than NFL, I think. So I think... A stud left tackle being out is a huge, huge disadvantage for Cal. And especially against a TCU defensive front that gets to the quarterback, I don't know how I feel about that for Cal. So give me TCU money line. Um, so that's all the bowls for Wednesday. I'm going to give one extra bonus pick. It's going to be a basketball pick. Tuesday, 12 o'clock Pacific time. You know, it's the holiday season. I'm in a real good mood. Season of giving, you know. Um, so here we go. Thunder Rockets game. I don't like the side, but I love the total. Give me under 220 points in the Thunder Rockets game. First off, I think this is going to be a playoff-like atmosphere on Christmas Day. Teams might start off a little timid, um, but play intense defense for sure. Both teams have trended upward defensively um, in terms of their defensive efficiency stats in the last month. That's what I like to see when I'm betting an under. Also, uh, Rockets without Chris Paul, that gives James Harden the keys to the show. And when he's solely running the offense, he takes up a lot of the shot clock oftentimes. Um, and that's, that's, I think that's calculated, you know. When he has a high usage rate without Chris Paul, he needs that rest, you know. So he's milking that clock a little longer on the offensive side, taking that extra time, especially late in games. You'll see it get under five seconds almost every possession with a lot of hardened isolation before he makes that shoot or pass decision. So I think that will uh, shrink shrink the game a little bit, and then shrink some scoring opportunities for sure. Also, Austin Rivers is going to play in his first game as a Houston Rocket. I don't think the chemistry will be there right off the bat, so expect that to be a little slow. <clears throat> the under is 17-7 in the last 24 Thunder Road games, under 7-3 in the last 10 Rockets games, and in the last six meetings between the two, the under is 5-1. So... This is going to be my lock of the day in basketball. And my bonus pick to you guys, to all the loyal pod listeners, thank you for uh, making us get to where we are. You know, episode 11, this ain't no joke. This is, uh, we're at double digits, you know. So I hope everyone else has a great Christmas, great holiday season, and everybody stay safe. And let's win some money.